episode of The Recap. I'm your host, Wayne Wilkerson, and thank you for listening today. I truly appreciate it. Okay, so today we will talk about my WNBA Mid-Season Awards. Yes, that's right. The mid-season break is officially upon us. A few select stars are in Rio right now, and they will win the gold for Team USA. And the rest of the league is on vacation right now. In fact, a lot of those players mentally went on vacation last week because it was not the greatest run of games at all. In fact, the biggest news item actually happened off the court. And of course, I'm talking about the WNBA team and player fines around Black Lives Matter. This is definitely not the type of publicity the league is looking for at all. Quite honestly, I'm surprised it actually became an incident in the first place. Because Lisa Borders herself, and I've said this last week, Lisa Borders herself was on TV praising the Minnesota Lynx for using this platform to speak about Black Lives Matter. And she openly advocated for players to use the platform to speak on issues that are important to them. And then she turns around and starts finding other teams for doing the exact same thing. Look, it just sends a really ugly and just truly inappropriate message about what the league supposedly values and doesn't value. I mean, especially when you consider the outpouring of support when the Orlando incident happened. I mean, there was rainbow shirts and paraphernalia all over the place, money being raised for charities, and this is a taboo issue to talk about. It just does not add up at all. Now, I've heard some people just criticize this and say, well, the Orlando incident was a terrorist attack, and this one is just a social issue. And of course, I'm calling bullshit on that one because the case with Alton Sterling and Fidel Castro and countless other black and brown people happens on a routine basis and is just as important. Now, this isn't a matter of judging one group over the other and who has more value. That's not it. They are both equally horrible and they should not happen. LGBT people should not be persecuted for who they are. Black and brown people should not be getting shot and killed on the street for routine traffic stops or questioned on the street. That just should not happen at all in any scenario. But anyway, back to the WNBA. The players stood strong and in spite of any financial or brand repercussions, they stood strong by their word and they kept standing up for these issues and reported it on social media, and I cannot thank them enough from the bottom of my heart. That is truly awesome, and sends a strong message, not only to the league, but also to the fans, and also to the little ones out there who look up to you as role models. So again, I thank you for doing this, keep doing it, and I can't thank you enough. And based on the backlash they were receiving from the social media front, basically forced the league's hand to rescind the fines which shouldn't have even happened in the first place. And for Borders, it doesn't instill a lot of confidence in regards to what kind of leader she'll be. Is she going to flip-flop again when another issue is pressed? Is she going to be the person who stands by her word or with the players? Because these funds were clearly a direct response from some sponsor agent who wasn't happy at all. Overall, this was not a good first look in regard to how she'll handle adversity. But she is new, and she's bound to make mistakes. It's going to happen. This is... The first time, uh, this is her first time doing something like this, so she will make mistakes. And another silver lining is, it definitely got people talking about the issues, or at least started the conversation. So, small victories, just tiny baby steps, but it's a start. Anyway, that's my little rant for the day. 
let's just get straight to the awards. So first up, we got Coach of the Year. And the winner is Brian Agler with the runner-up, Kurt Miller. Now, I've seriously tossed and turned over this one because these are two great coaches. And they have done a phenomenal job. But ultimately, I went with Brian Agler because he has cobbled together one of the most electric teams I've ever seen play basketball. The way that team is able to move the ball and score, the way they're able to play defense. I've said it before, it's one of the best magic shows in town. Not to mention, they made some smart moves in the draft. Made a great offseason acquisition with Essence Carson. Like I said before, it's that rare moment of lightning in a bottle. And it works. And I just want to see how long this team can ride this train. But I also have to give credit to Kurt Miller. The strides he has made with his son team is nothing short of almost unbelievable. Again, like I've talked about this last week. Go back and listen to that podcast and read my posts. But this is a team of essentially rookies, three or four year players at most. Uh, the oldest player on the team, Camille Little, she's what, only 31 years old. Not to mention, they don't have a superstar on that team at all. The fact that he could bring all these pieces together, all this young talent, who've only played together for roughly three to four months, and they've already become one of the most competitive teams today. They beat the Lynx, they should have beat LA and Deliberty, and they ended the season, well, they ended the midseason strong by beating the Chicago Sky. This is a team that is definitely punching above their weight. It's almost scary. And they are just playing with a confidence I've never seen before. They have nothing to lose at this point, And I like what I'm seeing on the court. I love the job he's done. But I'm going to rein my horses in a little bit because I want to see how this team looks once they come off the midseason break. Will they be able to keep up that level of intensity to close out the season? So depending on that and what happens with LA, this is one that's really going to go down to the wire. But right now, I'm definitely giving a nod to Brian Agler. Honorable mention goes out to Bill Lambeer of the New York Liberty. He's essentially Brian Agler light in the sense that he's a relatively new coach to the team who's brought together this hodgepodge mix of pieces from different ends and he's made a team that is incredibly fun to watch. All right, moving on. Most valuable player. And a winner is Tina Charles. And a runner-up, Neka Agumake. You can't get mad at picking either one of these two for MVP. And these two are just incredible. Tina Charles is the league leader in scoring rebounds. Uh, she's averaging 21 points a game and 10 rebounds, essentially a double-double a game. On the other hand, Neka Gumake is averaging 19 points a game and 7 rebounds, but she is shooting at a ridiculous rate of 70% from the field. Now, most players, if they tell you they shoot maybe 40-45%, that's good. Neka is doing 70% from the field so far, so that's great. The odds lean in favor of NECA because she does have this Olympic break to rest, whereas Tina is going to be going hard for that U.S. gold. I mean, all things being equal, I mean, I could see Tina Charles winning this. Uh, I don't see her dropping off her level of play. I think that she will stay at that consistent level. And given the struggles that LA has had closing out the season, I wouldn't be surprised to see them struggling getting back into form after the Olympic break. But again, I mean, these are two great players, and you can't go wrong with either one of them. Next up, Rookie of the Year. And the winner is, do I need to even tell you, it's Brianna Stewart. I don't even need to explain this one. 
We've all seen the highlights and the things that she has done. Seattle should just thank the lucky stars that they have one of the best generational talents we have ever seen. Ever since she's come into the league, she's been dominating the leaderboards. And she's only a rookie. And not only that, she's going to get better. This has just been an incredible six months for her. Not even a year, just six months. I mean, check this out. She wins her fourth consecutive NCAA championship. Within two to three weeks, she is drafted by the WNBA at the number one pick, which comes with its host of marketing endorsements and sponsorships. And just two months after that, she is selected for Team USA to go to the Rio Olympics to win the US gold. I mean, that is a check mark for a storybook life if I've ever seen one before. And you know what? She deserves every bit of it because she is that good. Wow. I mean, if the Seattle Storm ever come to town, go see her play. Luckily, I live in Seattle and I get to see every game she plays. And I will definitely be at everyone in the future going forward. Okay, sixth woman of the year. And the winner is Ariel Powers. Now, when I was making the selection criteria for this pick, I really wanted to pick a sixth woman. And this year, teams have really been mixing up their lineups. Uh, so, for example, Phoenix moved Dewana Bauer down to the bench for Sonia Petrovic, making her a sixth woman effectively before reversing that decision. Chicago's been mixing their lineup. Connect Sun have been mixing their lineup, etc. It happens. But I really wanted to pick a player who was essentially a sixth woman. A player who came off the bench as a relief person and who was a solid contributor. It made the choice clear after that. Ariel Powers has been one of the most dynamic players I've seen this year. This girl is full of hellfire and sass. When she gets into a heat check moment, she's running up and down the court. She's yelling. She's stunting on people. And I enjoy every second of it. I love the passion. And she is definitely one of my favorite players to watch. You know what? In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if she earned herself a starting spot coming off the Olympic break. Moving on, we have most improved player of the year. And the winner is Sugar Rogers. And the runner-up, Elizabeth Williams. Okay, first off, I know everyone is going to pick Elizabeth Williams. She has been fantastic this year. And she is by far one of the best two-way players I've ever seen in this league. She can work in a post. She's incredible from the arc. She's great on defense. She does everything, and she is solid. The only reason that I did not pick her for most improved player of the year is because she went into a new system. She went from Connecticut to the Atlanta Dream. The reason I picked Sugar Rogers is because she improved her game from within the same system. Now, yes, I realize a lot of that has to do with the loss of Epiphany Prince. But the way that she has stepped up our game, it is a testament to the work that she has put in to earn that spot. Again, I do think Elizabeth Williams is a better all-around player than Sugar Rogers. And if you run the numbers comparing the two, she even edges out Rogers a little bit. But I'm still giving a nod to Sugar because I place more value on players who can improve in an existing system. And for our next category, Defensive Player of the Year. And the winner is Sylvia Fowles. Runner-up, Brittany Griner. Ah, see, I probably call a lot of people with that one. Everyone's going to pay Brittany Griner for a third consecutive award, but I'm not buying into it. Brittany does lead the league in blocking, but that is only one part of the defensive game. Now, you would think, given Brittany Griner's height, that she'd be a rebounding monster. She's only 13th in the league in rebounding, which... 
Yes, that is an impressive number. Averaging six rebounds a game is definitely impressive. But Sylvia Fowles is fourth in the league in rebounds with 10 rebounds a game. Not only that, Sylvia Fowles is fourth in the league in blocking, averaging two blocks a game. She also gets an average of one steal a game. So blocking, stealing, rebounds, she does it all. That is why she is my Defensive Player of the Year. Alright, the all-rookie team of 2016. This 2016 rookie class, man, is pretty stacked. There is such a wide array of talent that the league is definitely in good hands going forward with this class. Having said that, Brianna Stewart and Aria Powers are automatic placements on the all-rookie team. Joining those two will be Tiffany Mitchell, Mariah Jefferson, and Amani Boyette. Now, Tiffany Mitchell is in a good place in Indiana. Despite Stephanie White leaving and Tamika Catchings, as she closes out her career, she is learning some great fundamentals under her. Not only are they grooming her to be a great player, but also a good leader for that team going forward. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how her game develops once they leave, but so far she has been solid, and I have a lot of faith that she's going to do great work going forward. Mariah Jefferson is pretty much the same boat with Tiffany Mitchell, a coach that's leaving and a team that's kind of in disarray about what their future will look like. But so far, Mariah Jefferson has stepped up and been a great contributor on that team. Not only that, she's also the leading scorer for the Stars right now. And lastly, Amani Boyette. With the Sosa and DeSantos off for the Olympics, I actually think Chicago's interior game has improved with Amani Boyette. Given her age and that she's young, she's a little bit more explosive in a pulse and more versatile than the Souls and the Santos. Um, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if they elect to go with her going forward after the Olympics as well. And finally, we have my all-WNBA team of 2016. First, a point of clarification. I split this up into two teams. My first team and my second team. I don't believe that one team is better than the other. So just to be clear... My first team is not necessarily better than my second team, or vice versa. Now again, this is just a collection of players I believe to be the top performers in some capacity or another. Not necessarily statistically, but these are players who have definitely caught my eye. Alright, so first team, Tina Charles, Elena Deladon, Neka Gumake, Maya Moore, Angel McCautry. Second team, Emma Mieseman, Deanna Tarasi. Sue Bird, Sylvia Fowles, Candace Parker. Now, I'll be honest. I initially had Jewel Lloyd in place of Sue Bird because I want to skew the list a little bit younger, but I couldn't avoid how incredible Sue Bird has been this year. Year 15, and she is having a career year, and that needs to be recognized. So I definitely had to put her on, so I had to scratch Jewel Lloyd off. Just a good conscience. It would have been criminal to leave her off the list. And I also had Brittany Griner in place of Sylvia Fowles. I wanted to give the second team a little bit of length, and I believe Griner fit that bill. But I sat back and thought about it, and I couldn't have my Defensive Player of the Year not make the All-WNBA team, so I had to scratch Griner. So because of that, I considered making a third team of Jewel Lloyd, Erlena Larkins, Elizabeth Williams, Lindsey Whalen, and Essence Carson. But that would have been overkill, and I really wanted just to have two teams who I would love to see go head-to-head -head with one another. And that will wrap up my awards. So to recap, Coach of the Year, Brian Agler with the runner-up, Kurt Miller. Honorable mention goes out to Bill Lambeer. 
Most Valuable Player, Tina Charles, Runner-Up, Neka Gumake, Rookie of the Year, Brianna Stewart, Sixth Woman of the Year, Ariel Powers, Most Improved Player, Sugar Rogers, Runner-Up, Elizabeth Williams, Defensive Player of the Year, Sylvia Fowles, Runner-Up, Brittany Griner, All-Rookie Team 2016, Brianna Stewart, Ariel Powers, Tiffany Mitchell, Mariah Jefferson, Amani Boyette, All-WBA Team 2016, First Team, Tina Charles, Elena Deladon, Neka Gumike, Maya Moore, Angel McCautry. Second Team, Emma Misaman, Deanna Tarasi, Sue Bird, Sylvia Fowles, Candace Parker. So that was a pretty impressive list if I say so myself. I'm pretty proud I completed it, so I'm going to pat myself on the back. But it'll be interesting to see how these teams come off the midseason break. There's still a lot of teams who are hovering just above below that 500 mark. So a lot of these teams are really going to need to lock down to close out the season strong. Anyway, let's hop down to my power rankings. All right, number one, we got the LA Sparks. All right, this Sparks team has clearly went into cruise control mode. And they got punched in the mouth because of it. They took another loss uh, down three games now. You know, their weaknesses are clearly getting exposed now. Uh, this is something they're going to have to tighten in the offseason because lately they've been looking disjointed, out of step with one another, and it's not a good look. Now, I'm pretty sure the LA Sparks will be fine, but I'm really going to have my eye out on them. I know they've clinched a playoff berth, but you really cannot let games go like that to weak opponents. Number two, the Minnesota Lynx. They really pulled themselves back into form, knocked off the Atlanta Dream in the Seattle Storm in a usual fashion, and that was definitely a promising sign because the last couple of weeks, they really did start to look disjointed. But right now, they're playing solid. Uh, they're definitely scaled back the minutes, though, for that starting five, and that definitely has to do with preparation for the Olympic Games. But they were still able to get the job done, and I like the way they closed out the season. Now, honestly, the Olympics scare me because of how much burn they're going to put on their bodies. But looking at the way that they've managed their minutes, I'm pretty sure they'll be able to hit the ground running in the second half of the season without missing a beat. Number three, the New York Liberty. Now, the Liberty had a lopsided end to the season due to some grueling back-to-back -back games. Game number one was an away game versus the Washington Mystics, which they completely trashed them, which is as per usual now for the Mystics, sadly. But then they had to come home for early morning game, and they had to struggle slightly against the uh, Indiana Fever. And honestly, they could have won that game, but the calls didn't fall their way. Bill Lambert got hit with a technical. Even Zealous got ejected from the game. So not a pretty end to the season, but I still like New York chances of playing spoiler. Number four, the Atlanta Dream. Now the Dream have gone back to being odd, or at least there was one incident that I found odd. So when they were playing the Lynx, there was one point where Laser Clarendon brought it up. And yes, I said Laser. She brought the ball up. And Angel McCautry comes up to the top of the key to get the ball. But McLaren just waves off. Doesn't give her the ball at all. At which point, Angel just sits there looking disgusted. Ends the quarter and she is just furious. So much so that at the beginning of the second half of the game, she was benched the entire third quarter. She did not see the floor at all well into the fourth quarter of the game, which they ultimately lost. That is a red flag to me. And we've seen this team struggle without Sancho Little. So when you throw issues like this in the mix and you don't have a strong pulse player like Little. So I'm just saying, it's just something to keep an eye on. Number five, the Chicago Sky. I just don't know what it is about the Sky where they cannot complete games. Even when the odds are stacked in their favor, 
Case in point, when they played the Phoenix Mercury, Brittany Griner was ejected due to an incident between her and Cappy Pondexter, and both of them got ejected. You would think, without having a player like Griner on the team, that the Sky would be able to handle the Mercury relatively comfortably. No, that wasn't the case. They still struggled the entire game. Luckily, they were able to win that game with a game winner from Breland. And then they go up against the Connecticut Sun at home. Now, even with the Sun playing as well as they are right now, that was a game Chicago still should have won. Everyone was at full health. Deladonna is still being a superstar. And they just cannot complete these games at home. They had the lead for the majority of the game. And it just goes away. And I'm not sure what is going on in Chicago. But this is something they'll definitely need to address. I still have hope. And I'm pretty certain that the Sky will make the playoffs. But it's definitely going to be a struggle getting there. Number six, the Indiana Fever. My gut instincts about the Indiana Fever being inconsistent were validated by Stephanie White via a couple of interviews. Despite this, this team has still been on a nice little win streak. Still not totally sold on that, but they're going to remain to be a thorn in the side of many of these teams going forward. And I also think that they could be a bigger upset than New York. Number seven, the Phoenix Mercury. And Phoenix ends the offseason in even a more dangerous position. With the ejection of Griner, this possibly puts her in the same scenario as Deanna Taurasi. Whereas, if she gets one more technical, it's an automatic suspension in the next game. This is not a place you want to be with your two star players. Especially when you are fighting for your life to get into the playoffs. Number 8, the Dallas Wings. The wings don't make sense to me. I don't know what is happening. Six straight losses. That is unacceptable. Even without Glory Johnson, the wings should definitely win some of these games. They have too much talent on that roster to be this bad. That is just plain unacceptable. Now, I ran the numbers in all six of those games. Aside from one major blowout, they've lost by an average of five points. You look at the free throw percentage, they're shooting above 80%. So it's not an effort of free throws. They go into the half of each of these games leading. Uh, and they go into the fourth quarter mostly leading these games. And somehow they just lose games still despite all the talent they have on that roster. I'm not sure what the issue is here. But it is definitely not looking good for them. Coming off the break they'll get Glory Johnson back. But even with her back into the mix I'm not sure that's going to help them. Number nine, the Seattle Storm. The Seattle Storm have actually picked up a bit of steam lately. Got a little wind in their sails, if you will. And they're actually playing better. They're still plagued with a lot of the same issues I've been harping on all season. But somehow they've managed to play through those issues. It's actually kind of impressive. Regardless of all that though, I still think the Storm are going to come back and be the same hot and cold team. Uh, they'll win some games, and they probably may even clinch that 8th spot with the way they're playing right now. Other than that, I don't see them advancing much further past that. Number 10, the Washington Mystics. Seven straight losses. That's right, seven straight losses. Home, away, doesn't matter. This team is resigned to losing, and it just breaks my heart. All the promise I saw from this team at the start of the season, and they were definitely playing better, 
And now it's as though they can't even buy a win. Ugh, it just seriously hurts my heart. But in all seriousness, uh, this break is good for the Mystics. If anything, just to stop the daily embarrassment of losing. Number 11, the Connecticut Sun. You know, I'm actually tempted to move the sun up above the Mystics and possibly the Storm, but I'm just going to rein my horses in for right now. I really need to see what they'll do coming off the Olympic break and how strong and competitive they'll be as they close out the season. But the way they closed out the midseason is nothing short of impressive. Again, with wins against the Minnesota Lynx, the Dallas Wings. For all intents and purposes, they should have beat L.A. and New York. But they closed it out with a strong end against Chicago. So kudos to them. But I'm just going to keep my expectations in check for right now. And lastly, the San Antonio Stars. Uh, I struggle to talk about this team because I really feel sorry for them. Their season is effectively over. And I'm not saying they should tank. As I've said before, I'm generally against the idea of teams just tanking. But like I said before... There's promise with Mariah Jefferson, Derricka Hamby, and Kayla McBride when she comes back from an injury. They have a nice little core there. They just need to find a way to build around it. And that'll do it for this week. Now that we are in the mid-season break of the WNBA, I will continue these podcasts and my blog uh, by covering the Olympic Games for Team USA. So expect pieces from that next week around the same time, around that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday period. And, uh, yeah, that pretty much covers it for this week. Thanks for listening. And as usual, you can find my work, uh, my WordPress at therecap.net. That's T-H-E-R-E-C-A-P.net, therecap.net. Or just follow me on Twitter at waymawilkerson.com. And follow this SoundCloud page as well. Thanks again. And until next time, be awesome to one another. Later.